Hi, I'm Gar Sanders. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm James Courtney. Tony Delberto. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. Hey, I'm Todd Kelly. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. Erebus are looking for sponsors and now a new manufacturer. Fair supercars amend the penalties for on-track infringements and Sam Van Gisbergen says more New Zealand involvement could be a good thing for V8 supercars. That's all coming up today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Here is the news brought to you by Nobrac Carbon Fibre Products. Check out the entire range today at www.nobrac.com.au. There is speculation that Erebus has been in talks with Volvo as the sponsorless team continues to search for financial support in 2014. The team has been campaigning customer AMG Mercedes-based cars since the beginning of the new generation era, but Mercedes Australia have not provided any support to the team and 2013 sponsors having now moved on, it's providing a significant financial issue for the team. I said, this is a business. I have to run it as a business. I cannot, you know, keep privately funding something that needs to be a business. You need to... F- Every business feels good about itself when it funds itself, and that's exactly what it is. The V8 Insiders approached Erebus for a comment, but at this time they were not willing to speak about the speculation. Interesting, as you heard a few weeks ago on the show... Team owner Betty Klemenko has confirmed that she owns the engine platform that the team uses. We're Erebus that have an Erebus AMG engine and we own the engine. Now, what this could mean is that any other manufacturer could join the team with an engine almost fully developed and ready to put their body shell into the package. This could be a very attractive proposition to anyone who doesn't have a V8 engine in their range. Erebus have taken their engine development in-house and the V8 Insiders asked Ross Stone about how much more work he'll need to get the engine to an equivalency with the FSBR Fords. Well, it's pretty comparable to where we were with Fords, but, you know, uh, the last time we ran a Ford was in 2012 and and some of the other guys have stepped up a little bit. But, um, you know, I reckon we're probably five or six weeks away and we should have an upgraded spec to try So uh, we just keep our head down and um, see how that comes out. On Friday, V8 Supercars have announced that they have changed the penalty structure, which will now provide a recommended penalty, not a minimum penalty, which will mean the stewards have more flexibility in assessing the infringements. Also, V8 Supercars have confirmed that they are now actively looking for a new technical director. This role was previously rolled into the director of motorsports position. Interestingly, it's not currently advertised on the V8 Supercar website as an opening. 
The V8 insiders have not been able to obtain an interview with Damian White, the Director of Motorsport, on both the aforementioned issues. Finally, the new edition of VRX magazine is on sale, celebrating 25 years of the Holden Racing Team, all the great exclusive colonists, and a lot more. It's on sale in stores now and online. Check out the great new VRX app at www.vrx.com.au. This week on the Roundtable, Lewis Isaacs and Andrew Hawkins will join me. And that's the news on the V8 Insiders, brought to you by Nobrac Carbon Fibre Products. Check out the entire range today at www.nobrac.com.au. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing. V8 Supercars, showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X Magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us from Speed TV, it's AJ Andrew Hawkins. Good to have you back on the show. Good afternoon, Craig. And from Auto Action, Lewis Isaacs. Good evening, Lewis. Craig, Andrew, how are you? Well, I think we're all enjoying the uh, World Endurance Championship, aren't we, AJ, on... uh, on Speed TV, just another one of the live motorsports that uh, your seem to be ever increasing channel has. Absolutely, you know we've got uh, a lot of the events coming up, and uh, Le Mans is you know only a couple of months away now, so we're uh, looking forward to to that. The thing I'm really looking forward to, of course, every year the Indy 500, that is uh, normally the uh, one night where you just don't get any sleep because you go Monaco Grand Prix, Indy 500, Coca Cola 600. That's that's almost as good as a Le Mans 24-hour. Lewis, well, if there was a bit weekend on that, you'd be fine. Uh, there has been in the past too. But <laughs> <laughs> Lewis, um, Erebus sponsorship, and uh, of course those cars have been very black. They look very nice black, but they don't pay the bills that way. No, that's um, that's become pretty clear. We had Betty go on the um, speak to News Limited at the uh, I think it was at Winton, saying that she spent about twenty-one million dollars in the last year. And um, I've heard from a number of people that that's about half for this year, so there's a, a pretty significant gap to fill. The cars are obviously empty, but, you know, what the team has this year that it didn't have last year is results, and they can kind of take that to sponsors now. They're not hypothesising about where they are because there has been a massive improvement, and obviously at Winston we saw that when the cards fall correctly, they can win races. AJ, how, uh, how can they really turn that around? You've got a television deal this year that is very very difficult to explain to a sponsor um i know that new zealand for example i think you had to watch three different seven stations to get the coverage over the course of the weekend and it could have been even on one day you had to if you were taping it you had to tape three different stations yeah and that's you know one of the challenges this year but i think overall race wins are the things that sponsors look at you know if you can be a consistent top five performer 
then you know then sponsors love that and that will bring the bring the money into the team but it's it's all about television isn't it because people aren't turning up at the races as much as they used to the numbers at each event are starting to decline with of course the uh of course booker cowey being the uh, shining light yeah i guess that's one of the problems that v8s themselves need to address is you know where they you know what the the happy balance is between tv and an audience as well and uh, lewis uh, what about your thoughts is is the fact that they need to uh, get a television audience going to be the uh, critical factor in how well they can get uh, signage on that car it's interesting that you know two of their three sponsors from last year remain in a the sport they've just jumped ship to a different team so perhaps there's uh there's bigger issues inside the team when it comes to that obviously last year was a tough year for them and uh that wouldn't have helped but i, I don't know if, if you know the tv numbers they're pretty significant this year that there's been a drop and obviously at winton there were only a couple of uh, thousand people there compared to other years but i think just generally selling space on cars is, is tough now especially in this climate they're not the only team that are having these problems but they're probably the most uh pronounced one well of course erebus this year have a completely new um, uh, marketing team because Chris Wilson, interestingly enough, uh, no. Lewis is now with uh, w- with James Rosenberg, and uh, that's of course part of the Walkinshaw family now. Yeah, and they've got SP Tools and HHA, so there's clearly um, you know there's still interest from some sponsors, but perhaps last year with the uh, tough results that Erebus had, that's that's still on a lot of people's mind. Mm. Now, interesting, Bruce Newton uh, managed to bring out a great story, and I think what complemented the story so perfectly was the photo that was with it. Um, had Betty meeting with the uh, bigwigs at Volvo. How much traction do you see a Volvo-Erebus uh, uh, partnership getting up there, Lewis? Well, it's interesting because, um, you know, being a journalist myself and knowing Bruce and, and knowing the freelancer, he wouldn't stake his reputation on... Uh, on breaking a story like this if there wasn't any veracity to it. So you've got to say where there's smoke, there's fire. But I actually had a chat to Ryan in recent days, and he was quite forthright about what he wants from next year, and that's a, uh, a Mercedes. So I guess if they can get Mercedes Australia on board, that's a potential cure for both the sponsorship issue and the, uh, and the car branding. But, um, you know, I also had a chat to Volvo, and I've got an interesting statement from them as well. And they were on record saying that you know, they want more Volvos on the grid. And the success of the car this year has kind of caused a lot of interest from the V8 Supercar Paddock. But they've also gone on record to say that, you know, there's no plans to expand beyond the current two-car program as it stands. AJ, what's your take on the whole story? I'm, I, I'd be surprised if it's not a, all a, a ploy to try and get a sweeter deal for Erebus from AMG and, and Mercedes. I know that, you know, I know they're trying to cut costs and you know basically cut some of the money by bringing their engines in-house and doing things in-house so i'm sure that this is all a ploy to to kind of push down their customer um deal and try and get a a cheaper deal as i said in the news it's very interesting because when i spoke to betty at winton she said she owns the engine and if you are a manufacturer out there that doesn't have a v8 engine but you want to get into v8 supercars with the fact that she owns the engine platform and it is being developed in-house now with Ross Stone, as you also heard in the news, it makes them a very attractive off. Uh, it makes them a very attractive team 
they've got wins now. All you need to do is really provide the body shape and you could get that team, put the uh, logos on the rocker covers, not that you can see the rocker covers, but uh, uh, you know what I mean, and all of a sudden go racing with what is a 80, you could even say 90% proved engine. It's, uh, it does make for an easy transition for a potential new manufacturer, AJ. Well, and that's true. I mean, the the stage is set for a Toyota to come in or a Kia to come in or, you know, Hyundai or whoever. It's, you know, with the, the car of the future, I mean, that's a that's an easy sell these days. Lewis, your thoughts of uh, the fact that they do have an engine ready to go or just be a body? Well, there is already the crate engine that exists from Supercars, which is, um, I believe, based on the, on the current Holden Motorsport one. But as we saw with Volvo, you know, Gary's spoken before about how he wouldn't have minded using that crate engine, but it was Volvo that pushed to have their own because even just marketing that as an engine is, is a massive thing for them. And, that, and you know, and Polestar's proved that you can build a pretty competitive donk in a short time span. Mm, I think that crate engine is still drawings on paper, though. I don't think they've actually built one yet. Right. So that that would be the thing here. You're talking about an engine that's now won a race. That's true. But I think, again, from... From branding, a lot of manufacturers wouldn't like to do that. They prefer to have their own brand front and centre, mm. proving that they've got the technical know-how to, to build a race-winning car. Yeah, I can see both sides of that argument. And, you know, I also uh, am mindful of the fact that there's a lot of uh, motorsports out there that really just have one engine and they just put different badges on it to uh, suit the uh, situation at the time. But, Lewis, uh, one thing V8 Supercars have done is they've changed the rules again. How many times are we yeah. going to see the rules change in 2014, do you think? Oh, it's unbelievable. One of the sub-editors here, you know, we do a story on it before every round, and he's just, he's shocked, you know. it's. I think um, what they've done now after penalties, it, it's an improvement. They're not going out there to ruin someone's race by uh, giving them a penalty. And but I think there's one driver that said to me this week that there's still a fine line to walk. You know, if a penalised driver is still in the race, potential for them to affect the race of someone who has done nothing wrong. But what they've done is, is quite clever. You know, you can kind of gear the, the punishment to each track because the pit lane penalty at Bathurst was completely different to one at Pukekohe. And um, the way they're measuring the, the the one this year that's been talked about is the pit lane speed limit. They've changed that as well. So it can be confusing in many ways, but, you know, changing the rules regularly is probably a sign that the, the powers that be aren't too stubborn in their approach to the racing. You know, they want people to have a bit of um, consensus across the board. Mm. Uh, of course, AJ, uh, it's just one of a, a whole bunch of changes this year that, you know, have have not been received potentially as well as everyone would have hoped. And that's right. And I'm a particular support. I, I hate having rule changes throughout the year. I mean, I think that the, the start of the year, you need to set the, the rules in motion and keep those regardless of the outcome because... They were the rules that you set up. I mean, we saw last year with the 60-60 with Craig Lowndes, the rule get changed for the for the 60-60 for the rest of the year and everything else. I tend to see that it's just making up stuff on the run and kind of whatever works we'll go with. And, you know, if someone complains that or too many people complain, I will just change it on the fly. I don't think is the right way to go. Mm. It, I, don't, I don't know if that's the problem, though, changing the rules on the fly. I think the issue is not doing enough research in the first place, like the the restart the good ball, that could have avoided if anyone used their, their brain and, and realised that that first turn's not going to work. But I don't have the issue with them changing it if it doesn't work. They just get it right to begin with. 
Mm. Well, and that, and that's the thing. They should be the rules should be right at first. But if you're going to make a rule, stick to it for the entire season so it's consistent throughout. Yeah, we, look, the uh, the double file restarts got canned the first time they tried to get it up. They got it up the second time, and uh, well, perhaps they didn't stick with it long enough. I don't. I honestly don't know the answer, the correct answer to it, but. Um, you would think that drivers would eventually start driving to the rules. And if they know that the rules, be them right or wrong, are the rules, you eventually, you know, it's we see it in football codes all the time. A interpretation of a rule gets brought out at the beginning of the year. After the first couple of weeks, they know what they can and can't do, or they have a pretty good grasp of it. It, it seems like uh, this one was changed because... In week one of the season, there was a expensive, expensive crash that uh, then prompted a lot more uh, publicity or a lot more attention to it. And I agree with that, but you have to kind of feel for the drivers that have been penalised so far under the old system. You know, are they going to get their race back? No, they keep it consistent throughout. Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah look, look at Rick Kelly, for for example, Craig. He was done for pit lane speeding at Winston, and that cost him an expense, uh, a de- decent finish, and uh, Adelaide as well in the um, the race with that big crash. You know, him and Shane were both done for uh, yep. speeding in the in the AZ. Yeah, and that's right. Now there's no AZs anymore. They have uh, officially killed it off. And, and the pit lane rules have changed as well. So he's lost a bunch of uh, points. You know, and he's, he's sitting nowhere in the championship. Whereas if that had worked out for him, he'd be much higher. Mm. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out when we get to Perth and, of course, the new rules are in place. We need to take a break here on the Van Insiders, but plenty more when we return. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. Find out more about your favourite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You've watched the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders from Speed TV. It's AJ, Andrew Hawkins, and from... Auto action. It is Lewis Isaacs. The reason why I staggered there is because AJ. Now, your initials are AH. Where's the J come into it? That's a very good question, Craig. I'm glad you asked, but I'm not going to answer it. Okay. All right. Uh, sounds like there's a story over a few beers there, not for publication. Should New Zealand have two races? I guess uh, with uh, your hat on as Speed TV, logistically, uh, probably is a little bit more work to go over there twice, but it can't be any more work than going to Perth, say. No, I think I think two races uh, in New Zealand is a, it would be brilliant. I mean, have a have one on the North Island, have one on the South Island, perfect. Um, you know, I mean, there's a lot of people that can't travel to Auckland, you know, to book Coe and would probably love to see a V8 race, so let's give them the opportunity. Lewis? Yeah, I, I'm agreeing with that. With Andrew here, the crowd at Pukekohe is great, and the interest in the series right now from over there is massive because of three uh, in particular drivers. We had James Warburton speaking in Adelaide about how he wants more overseas races, and this is the most logical one. But 
the way Pookie is at the moment, you know, it's kind of got an ownership on that April spot in the calendar. You know, you can kind of focus it around that Anzac Day weekend and the final rounds of V8 Super Tours and New Zealand V8s over there. So there's a nice little tie in there. But um, there are concerns, you know, you can't, well, no one really races over winter over there, but something to consider. And, you know, you've also got to look at potential locations. There's a lot in the North Island, you know, the races or the tracks that Super Tours go to. And, um, you know, you could even possibly bring back the Wellington Street Race. You know, that's quite popular and there's a bit of history there. Mm. But for something different, I think the obvious place in the South Island would be uh, Tony Quinn's track outside of Christchurch. Yep, and uh, of course that would certainly help the uh, Christchurch economy, economy, which is still reeling from uh, you know a couple of years ago when they had their second massive earthquake. So there's something to be said for that as well in a goodwill gesture by V8 supercars who are becoming a lot more magnanimous under James Warburton, as we have found out. Guys, following on from... Well, if we can't have two races in New Zealand, what would a... Kiwi team, I won't say Team Kiwi, but a Kiwi team mean to the championship and potentially to interest over there across the ditch. Lewis? Oh, well, you know, we obviously had a Kiwi team before and they uh, they played a pretty big role in the in the careers of Fabian Coulthard and Shane Van Gisbergen. Um, you know, there's some wrecks available if they can get the funding and the right machinery, more power to them. I think we've seen in New Zealand VX Tours, there's a, a number of good drivers out there, so you've got Young Ant Pedersen, uh, Andre Heimgartner and Simon Evans, they're candidates to come over here and try supercars. So if they can get it together, why not? If, you know, there's a licence there. Mm. AJ, could you have too many New Zealanders in the Australian Championship? No, I don't think you can ever have too many, but I don't think they need their own team. I mean, it's kind of been done and dusted and it didn't end all that well. I don't know if it's a token gesture or not, but I think, you know, having... Kiwi drivers in the the series, and the, you know the you know the few of them in there are, are doing quite well, and it's and it's good for the season, but good for the championship. But I'm not sure that we need a need a Kiwi team. Mm. Well, you had Tasman before that kind of ran under a Kiwi banner for a while, but you know we're still very Australian in the way they approach racing, so perhaps something like that could work again. Mm. All right, now this week I've asked you to put your crystal balls in front of you, give them a, a polish up, and see what you'd come up with if. You ran the world of V8 supercars. What's the ideal championship structure and race format? Now, I've come at this um, from the view that they want to have international races, but the international races sometimes make the championship logistically a bit too difficult. So I'll go first here, guys, and so you can copy what I did and uh, what I've done and, and then go from there throw it out and laugh at me but what i think we should have is either move clipsal to the very beginning of september have sandown bathurst uh gold coast uh phillip island sydney after sydney go to uh winton uh you get uh, tasmania all now in summer so they're going to be very pleasant uh you can get across to perth there and make, you know, and if you don't move Clipsal to the beginning, then you have Clipsal at your grand final because you want to finish this series up. The V8 Supercar Championship, you finish it up in about April. Then what we do is we say we have the... You might remember this too because it was once called this or might have been called it for two years. The V8 Supercar International Championship 
where you would include your New Zealand races. Kicking off in, probably I'd have it in May, so you'd lose your Anzac Day um, Pukekohe event, but you'd just move it to a, another suitable date there. And then you go up to your Middle East, your Asia, your Americas, and from about May to, I would suggest you finish it all up by about um, August. And uh, you have then enough racing domestically to keep everyone happy. You have it in the summer months when people want to go out and stand out there and watch car racing. And then you get your international championship, which might, I say, include Darwin. So that can be a launching point for you to go up into Southeast Asia and uh, have the International Championship Series. Also then allowing for your teams back here to sign an Australian driver or a New Zealand driver for the Championship Series and then perhaps bring some money in by some high-profile international drivers when you go overseas. Formats, I would say we... And I, I know Speed TV have paid a lot of money for Verd Supercars would hate this, but I would say we have qualifying on Friday. We have qualifying for the Dunlop Series on Friday. On Saturday, we have some practice for the V8 Supercars. And we have the Dunlop Series race, a big feature race, or two feature races of um, 100 kilometres each. And then on the Sunday, we have a, a no less than two-hour race for the V8 Supercars. It sure is adventurous, right? It is very adventurous. It's an interesting idea. All right. So if you ruled the world, how would V8 supercars looked? First to you, AJ. They, I quite like the idea of a summer series. I quite like the idea of starting off Clipsal and then doing a stand-down Bathurst. Bathurst being non-championship. Oh. Um, and, you know having a throwback to kind of anyone can turn up and, and race as long as they've got the appropriate car or whatever. So any manufacturer, any car, but turn back into a big feature race. Mm-hmm. Um, and then doing, you know, going throughout, through the tracks that we've got here. But I would go, I would double up on the track um, and go to some tracks twice, um, come back to, you know, um Maybe not Queensland Race League twice, maybe not Winton, but a couple of the other ones. It'd be nice to go back to nice to go to Perth twice, I guess. Um, and look, I would, if I had my way, um, it would probably finish up in Sydney around March. Um, I don't know if I'd have too many races, but I'd I know it's completely out of the question. But I'd love to see a V8 race at um, Laguna Seca and, and Spa as well, just for you know, just for something cool. Mm-hmm. What about a race format? How would you structure the weekend? Um, well, I wouldn't have all weekends the same, but I would I would have a couple of different variations where you've got a couple of sprint races on the Saturday and, and Sunday. Um, and, yeah, I, I, I quite like the, the longer races, but also having some shorter ones as well. Mm. All right. Lewis, your turn. Oh, this is a, a very puzzling kind of question. Um, to be honest, I think I prefer a shorter season, I think. Sydney could probably be moved up in towards November because I know it's a, a very taxing year on a lot of people and uh, I, know, I think racing in summer it, it's nice in some parts but perhaps over here it, it suits the 
winter suits us because we already go to Townsville and Darwin. Um, as a track, I know maybe run Eastern Creek in reverse because that will probably make it a bit more exciting. It's, uh, you know, that, that great final corner that would be uh, perfect in reverse. Um, as for format, I, I really like what we've got now. I, I really like what they did in New Zealand having the Friday race. I thought that gave us a bit more to talk about. But, um, yeah, with AJ, you just got to change the formats around depending on the weekend. You're not a, you don't think it makes it too confusing for people who uh, are casual observers? Oh, do we have that many casual observer fans, though? Wasn't that one of James Warburton's things from our Adelaide that 70% of the viewers only watch, like, six races? But I guess the thing is, if you're trying to expand a sport, we don't see, if we want to go to football, any of the football codes, you don't turn up and when they play at Etihad, play for two halves and then when you go to the MCG you go to quarters or if you're at um, if you're at uh, uh, the Olympic well, Stadium some, some in Sydney just suit longer races though you know a sprint race at Bathurst would only be a handful of laps at such a long track so I, I think that's one of the things that's great about uh, the track is unique so you can kind of play with that what about it's you? all about edu- it's about education as well it's about you know educating the, the punters who are watching how much how long the race is going to go for? You know, I'm, I don't think we need to treat them like idiots and try and, you know, make sure that everything's all panned out for them and they only know that it only goes for 500 k's or 100 k's or whatever. I think we can mix it up a bit. I think we need to give them a little bit more credit than uh, than we than we should. All right. Yeah, now, I agree. Final question because of what I read in the Daily Telegraph this week. Oh, go on, Lewis. How many horsepower does a V8 supercar have? Oh, about 600 and something, 600 and a bit of change. All right. Uh, AJ, any any variation on that? No, I think I think Lewis is almost... No, he's close. All right. Yep, I, I always thought it was that, but I was looking at a... 40, according to the media guide. Here we yeah, go. I was looking at a a report. I was actually looking at it on uh, speedtv.com.au, and it was from the Daily Telegraph, and in an exclusive report... It said that V8 supercars have a peak horsepower of over 20,000 horsepower. It was... Well, they're doing something very right, aren't they? I, I'm mm. going, well, gee, even in the heyday of Formula One, they only had about 1,100. They must have been talking about the Volvo. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was staggered by it. But uh, anyway, I'm, I'm no, sure... I guess, I guess Ron Penske must have been thinking of that engine. Yes, but uh, if if the rules are written like that, then you could almost strap, you know, one booster rocket of the space shuttle onto your car and still be legal. Well, maybe one team will give it a go. Yes. Uh, yeah, down Conrad, that'd be good. Well, if we were in America, you'd know that it would have happened already. But, uh, <laughs> no, I just, uh, I don't know if any of you guys saw that report, but uh, I got a bit of a chuckle out of it anyway. Oh, I was too busy laughing at other parts of that story, to be honest, Craig. <laughs> okay, then. Guys, pleasure to have you on the show. Look forward to seeing you in Barbagello, Lewis. It should be a great weekend, although it will officially mark the death of the AZ boards, which were born there. Yeah, but um, I don't know. Maybe we can pull one out on the track when we're there. And uh, to AJ, all the best, and look forward to having you on the, on the show once again. Thanks, Craig, and I will catch you at the track at some time during the year. Yes. On the White Flag Lap this week, it's Shane Van Gisbergen. I hope you'll stay with us.
You've taken the V8 to the races. You've watched the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. You're listening to V8 Insiders. This week on the White Flag Lap, brought to you by Munro Shock Absorbers, we speak with Shane Van Gisbergen about his weekend in New Zealand and the success of Pukekohe. Definitely, and to get a result at, at Pukekohe is pretty cool, somewhere where I grew up not far from. And um, all, all weekend we were quite competitive, never out of the top five in, in the races, so it was pretty good from that point of view as well. Well, Shane, this must give you plenty of confidence as you head to Perth for the next round. Yeah, and, and one we haven't gone really that well at um in, in previous years so hopefully i can um i can improve there and and get a result it's um yeah it, it has been one of my weak tracks but um the the car's getting better for for that sort of surface and and style of corner so i think we can put on a good show now you're driving a triple eight car and been getting some good results obviously frosty in new zealand made some interesting comments about triple eight's disappointing results particularly over the last couple of rounds, have you and your team been going in a different direction or doing something particularly different than the Red Bulls? Uh, yeah, we, we are doing a few few things a little bit differently as we, um, you know, we do share some, some data and stuff. And, you know, sometimes the way things develop and, and myself as a driver, you want different things from a car. So maybe we have gone off in a little bit of a different direction, but... Um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm a little surprised at the last two rounds, given that at Tasmania they pretty much destroyed everyone. They were so much quicker. So um, it's turned around, but, you know, for, for them in Perth, they're pretty good there, so it'll um, come around pretty quick, I think. New Zealand had fantastic crowds, plenty of support. Would you want to see more races over there? Well, I think so. I think as the weekend has shown, there's so many passionate fans towards racing in New Zealand and everyone gets cut behind it and I guess it does help when there's three of us Kiwis that are going pretty well but um, also part of the, the good thing about New Zealand is the one race I guess it, it makes it um, so much better for us to go there because there is only one so there's um, you know we've got to put on a good show but um, more racing at home I'd always be up for that. Would a second race in New Zealand need to be held on the South Island? Um, yeah, well, the only track that could probably handle it on the South Island is Tony's track, the Highlands Park, and um, it would be awesome to see a, a supercar race. And I know Tony has been in talks for it to happen, so um, you know, hopefully that could could come off. But um, yeah, you know, if, if it was to be on the South Island, hopefully Highland. Paul Radisic was briefing the media on a plan for a new team based out of all New Zealand drivers, crew, etc. Do you think New Zealand-based teams could be established and, and be successful in V8 supercars again? Oh, of course it could. It lasted for quite a long while with Team Kiwi, and it was um, it was run by an Australian. But um, yeah, that the concept is is quite cool on paper. But um, you know, stuff like this this comes up a lot. But hopefully they can pull it off and get a Kiwi driver and a Kiwi team together and and go racing quite well. Could motorsport in New Zealand sustain having? that money put towards the V8 Supercar Championship rather than New Zealand Series? Oh, I'm not sure that um, it's a bit above what I do. I'm just a driver, but um, hopefully they can they can work something out. But, 
the um, yeah, watching the two series. Um, you know, they had both New Zealand V8 series in New Zealand at, at Pukekohe, and it was a little bit awkward, to be honest. Why do you say it was awkward? Oh, just having both categories there as a championship round, and it just, um, I think there is quite a lot of conflict there. But for me, the, they just need to put it all together and, and go racing and forget about all the other crap. Well, Shane, you are a busy man. What will you be doing between now and Perth? Any drifting or other plans? Actually, nothing. I um, I spent a couple of weeks in New Zealand, a few track days, and then I had the, a roundabout drifting. But until Perth, it's... Um, yeah, we have a, a test day in the supercar, and that's about it. So, quite a, quite a couple of weeks coming up. I'm interested to know: Do you use a simulator at all? Uh, no, I haven't. Um, I haven't seen him use it for a while, so I haven't used that. But um, I have one myself that I use, uh, a hyper simulator, and um, that's a pretty good thing. So um, that that keeps me busy in driving anyway. Jonathan Webb, of course, your team owner, he has a fairly fancy simulator. Do you get a chance to use it? Uh, yeah, definitely the um, the R racing sim of. It's out of America. That's pretty good. I use use that a bit, but um, the biggest thing for me is the time and um, you know keeping focused on something for a long amount of time. It's quite good for that and and the mental mental side of things. So yeah, I do enjoy it. Well, the ads are going from strength to strength in New Zealand. No small part to the efforts of all three of you drivers. I'm sure you enjoyed the weekend. Thanks for joining us once again, Shane Van Gisbergen. Yeah, definitely. And um, you know, there's. As I said, the, the Kiwi fans really get behind it, and seeing them all on the hill at Pukekohe is um, it's a pretty cool, cool feeling for sure. But um, yeah, definitely got strong interest over there at the moment. The series does. That's all we have time for this week on the show. So check it, flag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders. Till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders only on v8x.com.au.